Good morning, everybody. Great to see you all here today, those in person, and hi to those who are online. As I was walking to the pulpit, I noticed there was a hymnal and a thing of duct tape up here. <laughs> you know, we're in process. We're, uh, we're making progress as we go. Uh, it is so good to be with you on this first Sunday in the month of June, a communion Sunday. And in just a few minutes, we will um, share a communion meal together and be able to, uh, and here in person with these little prepackaged packets that we have, and at home with um, your sourdough toast and your coffee or whatever you're using <laughs> over there. Um, but first, I do want to um, consider with you these words from Scripture that we've just heard read, what they might mean for our lives, what sense we can make of them for our days. Um, so to do that, I want to um, use an unusual image. Think with me for a moment about an egg. Can you picture an egg? You know, it's a pretty common thing. Um, you probably have a dozen or so of them in your refrigerator right now. We use them for baking, for cooking, scrambled eggs, fried eggs, sunny side up or over easy. Um, eggs are important to us, but they're also very fragile. They're easily broken. Maybe you can think of the old saying, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Recently, my kids were involved in one of those egg drop competitions. Uh, have you done this before? The idea, of course, is that you, um, each kid has to find a way to build a protective layer of some kind around an egg. They could use whatever materials or design that they wanted. And then this contraption with the egg inside would be dropped off the roof of the school. You've seen this? Or maybe you've done this yourself. The competition is to see whose egg would survive. Uh, yeah, if you can go online, you can Google um, egg drop experiment, and you'll see all kinds of ways that people have um, tried to protect their eggs. Um, here's some examples. People use balloons. They use bubble wrap, fruit, apparently. Um, they make parachutes, all kinds of things as well. So the other, the other week, my kids were doing this project, and they spent hours going around the house looking for scraps of cardboard, looking for bubble wrap, looking for anything that they could use, envisioning parachutes, and arguing amongst themselves about how best to protect their egg. And then they went to school, and they, and they had this egg drop competition where each kid's contraption was thrown off the roof, and then everybody held their breath to look and see if the egg would survive. And so I was overhearing my kids as they were working on this project, and it was clear that the main focus, the thing that they, were most, that they thought was most important was how to build this strong defensive structure, how to get the right material and design together to protect their egg. Now, in some ways, this is the exact same thing that we're hearing about in our scripture passage today. You won't be surprised. Um, you'll remember that we're in a sermon series right now on the, um, in, uh, on the Old Testament books of Ezra and Nehemiah, which is all about how God's people had been in exile, and about 2,500 years ago, they had opportunity to return to rebuild their life together in community in Jerusalem. And um, first, they built the walls of the temple. And then, they, and then around the temple were the walls of Jerusalem. And that's what we're hearing about today in this scripture passage. And so Nehemiah is a person in the Bible, and he has returned. We heard about him last week. He's been given permission from the king and returned to Jerusalem. And he has surveyed the whole situation. He goes by night, and he walks around the city, and he realizes and recognizes the walls of this once great city are still in ruins. And so in the ancient world, uh, any city worth its salt had a great wall. Any city worth its name had giant strong walls around it. Obviously, these were protective, defensive to keep the people out, but they were also an expression of strength. If you see the walls of a great city, you know we should not mess 
with the people who built this wall. These are great people. It takes a lot of organization to build a wall, to make a plan, to get the supplies, to organize the labor, to build and repair and do all of the upkeep. In this way, a city wall was an expression of the health of a community. So a strong and growing and vibrant place would have a big and strong city wall. But a community that was morally or spiritually or culturally deficient or weak or in decline, well, their wall would probably be crumbling. And this is part of the issue that we see at work here in this Old Testament passage. The walls of Jerusalem are in ruins. So what does that say about God's people? It's a proxy for their own health and life. So when Nehemiah comes back and sees the state of affairs, he says to them this, Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we may no longer suffer disgrace. In this story, the walls of the city are seen as a kind of outward sign of an inward reality. We've heard that before when it comes to communion. If the walls are strong and good, it must mean that what is happening on the inside is valuable and worthwhile. So, what does this all mean? Maybe these walls were kind of self, um, a projection of self-image. You know the way when you go to someone's garage and they have, it's set up in a really clean, crisp way, a place for everything and everything in its place? And it sort of says something about the person who has that garage. It says their life is orderly. It's put together. They have hobbies and projects. They are able to envision them. They have the right tools lined up. They're ready for life. That's what a a space like that says. But then you come to my garage and you see something different. You ask, well, did a hurricane set down here? What's going on? And, And the truth is it says something about my life, my time of life. I have young kids who are active in all kinds of things. So we have their equipment, their gear, their mess everywhere. It's a projection. It's a self-image that we put out there when you look in someone's garage. The, story, the walls in this story in the Old Testament are a similar kind of expression, outward sign of an inward reality. You may remember the line from that Robert Frost poem, The Mending Wall, where he writes, something there is that doesn't love a wall. Remember that? And he, he talks in this poem about how he would like to go and tear down the wall. He doesn't know why there's a a stone wall between his property and his next-door neighbors. But then his neighbor tells him, well, remember, good fences make good neighbors. So there's a tension between these two ideas. Is it better to um, put up an outer protective shell, or is it better to take it down and show your true essence? Is there a time to have a professional demeanor, a public face, but then is there also a time when you should be yourself? showing your emotions, being vulnerable. Last week, I was coming out of church and talking to somebody, a couple of folks here in the church, and and somebody said that this story about Ezra and Nehemiah and all the talk about building and rebuilding had her asking about the walls in her own life. She said, I'm wondering which walls I need to take down and which walls I need to keep up for my own good. And we're talking about this because in the ancient world, if a city didn't have a strong defensive wall around it, it was vulnerable to being taken over, destroyed, dominated, controlled by outside forces. It wasn't safe to be in a city that didn't have its strong defenses. And so in the story, there's these three people who are named, and good job to Abby for pronouncing those names. You know, you've got um, Sanbalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arab. And these three people in the story are the ones who are mocking this project of building the wall. 
but they're also the three who will benefit most if Jerusalem is weak, if it does not have a strong wall. There's a 5th century papyri from, um, from Egypt, which names Sanballat the Horonite, and it says that he was the governor of Samaria. Samaria is the northern neighbor of Judah, where Jerusalem is located. So the governor of the northern territory. And then Tobiah the Ammonite was probably Jewish. His name means the Lord is good. And he was working for the Ammonites, which are the neighbors to the east of Judah. And then Geshem the Arab is the king of Qadar in Arabia. He controlled the territory southeast of Judah. So all the neighboring kings and governors and leaders around these people are the ones saying, you shouldn't have a wall, let's tear it down because that's better for us. All these people have economic and political self-interest in uh, making sure that Jerusalem's walls don't get rebuilt. But the project of rebuilding these walls, which we're hearing so much about in Ezra and Nehemiah, is all about rebuilding and creating the space, the defensive structure within which God's people can live, within which they can have, a, have safety, in which they can flourish. So I want to ask some questions about these walls when it comes to Jerusalem. What is the purpose of the walls that they were erecting, and what purpose do we need to hear for our own lives? Um, that's where the egg drop analogy will help us. So we're coming back to the egg. Is that okay? Coming back to the egg. All right. So um, what is the point of the egg drop project? If you ask any kid, they will tell you it's to create an effective, strong system, a protective layer of duct tape. Um, that the point is to put together, it's what you build, what you put together, right? Um, but I wonder if the larger point is really um, what's inside the contraption. The point of the egg drop project is to protect the egg, to create the conditions where the egg can survive the trauma, the real-world trauma of being picked up and dropped off a three-story building. The egg is the valuable thing. The structure around it is only so good, is only good so far as it protects and helps the egg. The walls of ancient Jerusalem were important only insofar as they created the space where the people of God could live and flourish. They were not a good unto themselves. Inside the walls of Jerusalem, of course, is where the temple was, and the temple was the place of worship for God's people. That's the place where they could hear the scripture read, where they could pause for prayer, where they could open themselves up to God and to each other to live with forgiveness, to learn to love, to listen to others. Those are vulnerable times. So they had to happen in a place that was well-guarded, well-protected, well-set up. Pastor Rich Viotas says this. He says, experiencing grace means having our walls come down. But our walls can only come down in a space that feels safe. It's a paradox. Applying this to our life together these days, I think so much of what we do as a church, what we are trying to do together in our community is to create the conditions where God can speak to us, can meet us, can work in us. We could worship anywhere, you know? We can worship in a field like we're going to do next Sunday night. I hope you come to our outdoor worship. We could worship in a parking lot like we did on Easter Sunday right over here. But here in the sanctuary and here online... We are really creating a space that's safe, that's secure, that's strong. And inside of that space, we can let our walls down. Inside of this space, we can be honest with each other and with God. 
Inside of this space, we can learn what grace looks like, what costly forgiveness means. Here in this safe space, we can have conversations that are hard, as we have had about racial justice issues in our country over the last year. It's inside of the strength of this protective structure that we are free to live. So what's the point of the egg drop project? If you ask any fifth grader, they will tell you it's the thing you build, right? That's what they are focused on, and that is what they would say. And if we we're honest, it's what we would say too, right? I see some of you engineers out there right now. You, you, you're trying to figure out how to build that egg thing. Um, we, can be, we can become fixated on the exterior structure and maybe forget the point of why we're doing all the stuff. So if I can, I'm going to come down here. I'm going to come down to the table for a minute. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, St. Paul, oh, I don't know if I told Carlo I was coming down here. <laughs> he writes this, we have this treasure in jars of clay. He's saying that we have this, these fragile vessels. Inside these fragile vessels, there is a great treasure. That inside of each of us, there's a great treasure of who we are in, as people who bear the image of God, who we are as people who are loved by God. The treasure is worth discovering. The treasure is worth knowing about. It is worth taking some time every week, and that's our practice, every week to come to the place, the safe space, this place for grace where we can be vulnerable, where we can be ourselves, where we can explore and learn more about what this treasure is, why it matters. Whenever somebody asks me about the thing that I like best about being a pastor, people say, what do you, why are you a pastor? What do you like being, doing and being as a pastor? I always say some version of the same response. I really love the access to the holy moments in people's lives. I love to be invited into someone's space and to create it together where, where you can put down your walls, where you can rage in grief, where you could soar in joy, where couples can work out what does it mean to stick together through hard times, where you can explore what does the future hold, what is my calling, what does life mean for me. I love to wrestle with doubt and to hear those questions that are asked, never fully answered. I like to be in the room where it happens, to quote a line. And here in communion at this table and in, with these little packets we have and even you at home with your bread and cup, it's another chance. This is another chance for us to let down our walls, to be before our God and to receive what God will give. All of this, everything we do in worship, the organizing situation of our life as a church is a contraption that is built for the purpose of protecting the egg precious egg, the gift of life that is in each of us, to let the egg not just survive, but even thrive through the trauma of this world. So we thank God today that the little egg of our lives is considered so precious that God would send his only son down to give his life for us, that we would be known by the God of the universe, even small and fragile as we are, we are held as precious in God's hands. Here in this communion space, we are in a, a safe place. It was set up so we could let our walls down, so we could come with our doubts and our worry, so we could come with our fear and our grief, so we could come with our fragile selves, trusting that we are in the strong and soft hands of the God who knows us 
and loves us. We are egg drop people. And we are surrounded in this life by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're egg drop people. We're surrounded by the love of God. We are egg drop people. We're surrounded by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We are egg drop people. May it be so for you. Amen.